Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnotta, with you guys as always. And today we are talking NFL draft with the current Tar Heel prospects that are trying to go in the 2022 NFL draft later on in the month of April. We're going to talk to Devin Jackson of Blue Chip Scouting, Steeler Depot, also does some work as a sports digital producer down in New Orleans for NOLA.com. We're going to talk to him here in just a minute about the Tar Heels that were participating in the NFL Scouting Combine and where their draft stock sits as they head out of the Scouting Combine. But we did want to give you a little bit of a roundup as to what exactly happened out in Indy. Uh, a lot of guys able to get in some work. 324 prospects out there. Five of them were Tar Heel draft prospects. And, uh, of course, you know, everybody was really focused on Sam Howell, as you would expect. He did not run a 40. He did not do any of the, uh, you know, jumping, running. Uh, didn't do anything in the weight room as well. Though I don't know if they do, if they make quarterbacks do the bench anymore. I don't believe they do. Um, but he didn't do any of the running. He didn't do any of the jumping. But he did end up throwing there. Didn't do any of the, uh, you know, the, the the stuff that we just talked about um, because of a strained calf that he suffered uh, in the Senior Bowl. So we'll see. We'll see what he ends up doing at his pro day. Hopefully that'll be cleared up by then, so he can go ahead and run there uh, and do some of that stuff that could potentially help his draft stock. But he just threw. Really, I think in order to help himself at that rate, really needed to be perfect, uh, and and was okay, was pretty good. Uh, you know, made a couple of nice throws down the field, missed a couple of the shorter throws, um, but uh, again, it is you know sort of subjective, especially when you're working with receivers that you've never worked with before. Um, you're working in this kind of setting, and you wonder how much the calf injury really uh, did affect him. But I think it's pretty clear now that uh, there are tiers between the quarterbacks. It looks like Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett have sort of separated themselves, and Sam Howell's in that second group. He's going to be 
probably there battling Desmond Ritter, who had a really nice combine, uh, ran a 4-5-2, threw the ball really well. So that's the guy out of that group that's probably trending up. Matt Corral didn't do anything at the combine. Of course, he's working through an injury of his own. That's the guy that's trending down in that group. So Sam Howell, somewhere in the middle of that group, uh, looking at probably being a, as of right now, still a late round one guy to early round two guy. Meanwhile, I think the guy that helped himself the most, and it's the guy that's helped himself the most so far this offseason, uh, I think he was the guy who helped himself the most at the showcase games for uh, the draft prospects. He did it really well at the East-West Shrine game. Um, I think he was one of the guys that really stuck out there. He was the guy that most people talked about as the best running back there, and he's a guy that I think flashed again at the combine. Of course, that's Ty Chandler uh, tied for second uh, amongst the running backs in this class in terms of time. 4-3-8, him, Kenneth Walker, the third out of Michigan State, who's going to go extremely high, and Devontae Price out of Florida International, all with 4-3-8s. He ran extremely well. He looked pretty good in the drills, which you would expect. Those were pretty much there to potentially highlight what he does well or you know maybe even best about his game, which is catch the ball out of the backfield. Um, so he he really shined. He had a really good performance in Indy, um, and he's a guy I think now for Carolina fans. If that's you're looking for somebody that's trending up, we thought it would potentially be Sam Howell. It felt like the combine, pro day, um, and even the Senior Bowl to a certain extent would really be an area where he could shine. It felt like the pre-draft process was going to be an area where he would be able to go off. Instead, it's Ty Chandler that's doing that. Now the thing is, is again. Running back's probably not going to go early in this draft. I've seen some drafts that, you know, some mock drafts that have guys, you know, not even going off the board until the third round. I don't know if it's going to get to that point. I feel like somebody's probably going to take a chance on a Kenneth Walker, um, the third, or potentially Breeze Hall out of Iowa State. Uh, Isaiah Spiller, another one that's in there. I don't think Ty Chandler's in that group, but I think he's probably looking at maybe an end-of-day-two pick, maybe could slip in there in the third round, could be an early-day-three pick, I think very similar to what we saw from Michael Carter a year ago. And if he gets in the right system, it really feels like he can do some pretty good damage out of the gate early on if he lands with the right team. Two offensive linemen in attendance. I thought Joshua Zudu was clearly the better of the two. Neither guy ran great. Azudu, I think people maybe expected him to run a little bit better with how athletic he looked just overall, but ran a 5-1-9. Marcus McKeithen ran a 5-3-1, one of the slower times, but that makes sense. McKeithen's a little bit more of a bulkier guy, a little bit of a stiffer guy, um, really fits more of that guard spot, and is a guy that's just going to have to show his physicality to be able to make it at the next level. I don't really know how much he helped himself. I think his stock probably just stays put, but I think Joshua Zudu definitely helped his stock. He moved very well in the drills. Um, I thought he showed nice fluid hips, especially out in space, and Look, some of the drills that they have the guys do, especially the wave drill, which was you know the the, the drill that was all over Tar Heel social media, and is you know the one that I think probably showed his athleticism the best, is one that the linemen are never really going to have to do. 
Um, but some of the other ones, he looked pretty good as well, uh, especially some of the pass rush drills. I think he opened up his hips pretty quickly um, and showed some good things. So I think he's a guy that, especially with the upside that he has as still a younger prospect, I think he's definitely got a chance to go off the board uh, at some point, probably middle to late day three. I think somebody will probably end up taking a chance on him uh, and seeing what he can do down the line. The final guy that was supposed to be out there uh, for the drills and everything like that was Jeremiah Gimmel. This one remains about as mysterious as it gets. There is no news about what exactly is going on with Gimmel. He was invited to the Senior Bowl back in November, did not end up attending. I don't think there was ever an official moment where he backed out. Um, at, at least it wasn't announced on social media. Um, clearly, they filled his roster spot, so he did let Jim Nagy and the folks over there at the Senior Bowl know what was going on. But then he goes to the Combine. He's there. He did measure in, all that kind of stuff. Uh, as far as we know, he met with teams, but doesn't go through any of the on-field drills. Um, so that's that, that's interesting. I, I wonder, and I'm hoping at this point for his sake, that it is just some sort of uh, injury, potentially lower body, something like that that's keeping him out. Um, but it is you know, something that is a little bit concerning, especially since his draft stock is dropping the guys around him uh, at that position, have been going through these drills. Some of them have participated in some of these showcase games and now at the Combine. So, unfortunately, his stock is probably slipping a little bit. I still think he's probably a draftable player. I just think, you know, the, the smarts, the football knowledge that he has along with uh, you know, the good skills inside, really a good run uh, stuffer. I, I think he's got to get a little bit stronger and more shorthanded in tackling, but I think – you know, he for the most part he knows what he's doing, and he's a good he's a good guy to have uh, for teams in their room. He's a very smart guy, good leadership. So I think he'll definitely get an opportunity. I still think right now because he was seen by some of the more major draft sites as a fourth, fifth round guy, he'll probably still get drafted. But I think he's going to be right on that edge right there. I think he's probably teetering on being a seventh round uh, to undrafted free agent at this point. So we'll have to just wait and see. Hopefully he is able to get out there on his pro day and just do something. Just try to lay down sometimes to give people something to go off of, maybe justify their original thoughts about him going early. Of course, the ones that were not there that most people were probably surprised about, or the most surprised about at least, uh, Jordan Tucker, the offensive tackle who um, you know, did end up getting an invite to the NFL PA Collegiate Bowl. Um, that one to me wasn't really shocking. I saw some people that were talking about that. That one to me really wasn't that shocking. I mean, the Toriel's got both Azudu and McKeithen uh, in, in Indy, so I, I feel like one of the three was probably going to get left out. I think Tucker's probably the right one out of that trio uh, to get left out, but he's still got his pro day, a chance to prove that he deserves to be uh, a free agent pickup. Uh, Kyler McMichael, that one was the most interesting to me because he was a guy that was raved about at the East-West Shrine game. There were a lot of people that thought he was one of the top defensive backs there. Um, some people called him the top cornerback there, at least through the weeks of practice. So I thought for sure he would be a guy that would get an opportunity to show that at the Shrine Bowl, or excuse me, at the uh, Combine. But I think now, you know, he's one of those guys that's going to be really interesting to keep an eye on at his pro day. Um, and see if, if he can't help his stock a little more, if he puts down really good times. I think that could definitely help him moving forward. And then, you know, Tamon Fox, 
He's a guy that I think we all kind of know at this point. The production's there, the consistency, uh, you know, the NFL style of play, probably not there at this point. But he's a guy that works hard enough where he's probably going to be able to get an NFL spot. Again, I think his pro day is going to be pretty key for him. If he can lay down some solid times, I feel like that will probably put him in that range to be a priority undrafted free agent. Uh, If not, he'll be a guy that will probably eventually land on a roster. But those are the eight guys that we're keeping an eye on. We're going to talk about five of them here. When we come back, it'll be Devin Jackson. He joined us last year. He did a tremendous job a year ago. He comes back with us here. He'll talk Sam Howell, Ty Chandler, the two offensive linemen, and also touch on Jeremiah Gimmel and what he thinks about his stock when we come back on the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. College basketball fans, join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. Turn your team's victory into your own big win. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do pull the upset. It's that simple. If they win, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still join the College Hoops action with DraftKings Pools. Everyone can play for free all March long for a shot at a share of over $250,000 in prizes. Simply join a pool and answer questions like who will make it to the next round and who will hit the most three-pointers, and then track your results. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 plus restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, we are now joined by Devin Jackson. You guys remember him from last year, a guy that is a contributor for Blue Chip Scouting, also Steeler Depot, and uh, does work down in New Orleans for NOLA News, NOLA.com, sports, a digital content producer. He's joining us tonight, uh, a guy that lives and breathes the NFL draft. And, uh, hey, Devin, first of all, buddy, uh, glad that we could have you back on and uh, you're able to talk about uh, a few more draft prospects this year. Last year, um, you know, it was really just the two running backs, both of which has panned out uh, pretty well at the NFL level. But this year, uh, a little bit of a a bigger range in terms of the guys uh, that we'll be talking about here tonight with you. So how are you doing, man? Pretty good, doing pretty good. Excited to talk about North Carolina prospects. Um, you know, this time last year, like you said, we talked about Javante Williams, Michael Carter, both doing pretty well in the NFL, especially Michael Carter. You know, I think he landed with a, a great team in the Jets. And, uh, you know, some, some of the receivers too, Diami Brown and Daz Newsom, unfortunately, Newsom didn't really get to produce this year. But, but Diami Brown, uh, he, he got a chance to show what he could do as well. But this year, obviously, the big name is uh, Sam Howell. So, so excited to talk about him and some of his other teammates as well. Yeah, and he's hopefully going to be a, a big piece. Uh, you mentioned Javante Williams. He got a, a huge boost getting Russell Wilson today. Uh, that, that's now going to be his quarterback. He joins the Broncos, of course, uh, from Seattle. So, you know, I think w- one of the big questions here now is, is is that a spot that opens up? And could that be a team that could potentially be on the board for a Sam Howell? When you look at Sam, you know, what, what do you think about where he, he's kind of 
at right now because I see people kind of all over the board on him. I think right now it's pretty clear that Malik Willis and, and Kenny Pickett are probably the two that are separating themselves, but it kind of feels like outside of that, uh, people are kind of all over the place on the rest of the quarterback group. So where do you think Sam Howell ranks amongst those guys? Yeah, so, you know, when you, when you look at Sam Howell's game, I think a lot was made about kind of the quote-unquote regression from last year in terms of the passer, but I think it was more so due to just what he had around him. And you had a lot of young, inexperienced players stepping up into new roles. Uh, offensive line obviously had some changes as well throughout the season, too. Uh, we'll talk about one of the offensive line, and that has kind of become a kind of Swiss Army knife for North Carolina, mm-hmm. or was a Swiss Army knife for North Carolina's offensive line. But I think to, to kind of paint the picture before I you know, kind of say where he ranks, I think it was, you know, it was a little bit, you know, I don't want to say dramatic, but a little bit, you know, I think overplayed that, you know, he regressed as a passer because I think, you know, you know, when he, as he matches up with some of the other quarterbacks in his class, I think he probably has some of the best footwork of all the quarterbacks. Um, you know, you see the accuracy, the ability to, to hit all parts of the field um, and, and the running ability. I think that now that added dimension to his game now makes him a little bit more valuable than he would have been if he just came out last year and, and was more so the player that he was last year compared to this year. I think he's rounded out his game a little bit more. And uh, just unfortunately for him, and in a lot of those games, he just got thrown with a lot of pressure. And he, and he just was constantly on the move, had to, to make things happen outside of the pocket and run the football a lot more than we probably imagined. So I uh, just wanted to paint the picture of what I see from as a prospect. I think for him, it's going to come down to team fit, and it's going to come down to who wants to take that swing on him. Because like you said, it's, it's Kenny Pickett, it's Malik Willis, the, the top two guys, but where does Matt Corral stack up? And I think for him, it's going to be important for the pro day. Uh, so it's kind of up in the air for him. Desmond Ritter, a lot of people like him on the media side, but the NFL, on the other hand, I think is a little bit cooler on him as a prospect. I know some teams really like him, but some teams don't like him at all. So I think Howell fits in in that three to five range in terms of which what number quarterback he will come off the board. And then, like I said, I think it comes down to scheme fit. It, it depends on to me, whether or not Malik Willis gets selected first or not. Because if Kenny Pickett gets selected first, I think Malik Willis won't be too far behind. And then teams like the Steelers at 20, I think, could be a potential target for um, Sam Howell. And then in the second round, maybe uh, a team like Indianapolis, their team that's the median quarterback. Obviously, Seattle now with all the picks that they acquired for uh, Russell Wilson. So I think... There, there's going to be spots where I think he could fit in. Even the Washington Commanders as well. I think that's a team that could, uh, you know, take a swing on him on, in the second round. So I think how ends up, if he doesn't go uh, in, in the, the first, I would say, probably 25 picks, I think he probably goes somewhere on day two. And that, this, that's where I think it would be interesting, depending on the quarterback market and, and what teams feel. Like a team like the Falcons could even select him mm-hmm. on day two if they feel like, you know, Matt Ryan is maybe in, in the backswing of his career. So there's a lot of possibilities for how I think his pro day will obviously be important, but also I think uh, in terms of uh, capital, how do teams well, want to approach the second round? I think second round is going to be the heavy market for him. And, and we look at the the quarterbacks that may go in the second round between him, Ritter, and and 
and uh, Corral. And I, I like how a little bit more than those guys in terms of uh, where he would fit in terms of NFL offense. Well, I'm doing everything I can to try to will him to Tampa right now. I'm going to be honest with you, Devin. I think his fit with Bruce Arians would be tremendous. You know, really quickly, you you know, you're a guy that that covers uh, the Steelers uh, on their blog side of things. W- what do you think about his his fit there? Because I've seen some people that have said, you know, the offensive line ha- has sort of regressed over the last couple of years in front of Ben Roethlisberger, and I feel like that's going to be one of the keys for him at the next level is getting behind a good offensive line. What do you think about that fit overall, though, for Sam? And do you think that's a place he could thrive? I think, for me, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily want him on the Steelers, and not because of his skill set or whatnot, but I just think the direction they're going in right now, they either, they're either going to stick with what they have in terms of Mason Rudolph and mm-hmm. Dwayne Haskins, or they're going to try and get uh, a Kenny Picker or Malik Willis. And I feel like if they swing out on both of those guys, there's a good chance that they just, you know, either try and make a trade up to get one of those guys or, or, or you know, let the board, the board fall how it may be. I just think the, the offensive line is a big issue. Uh, kind of the scheme as well. I, I just don't know if that best suits Sam Howard's skill set. And, and he's mobile and, and he can make things happen outside of the pocket. But then again, I, I just feel like when you look at how he would fit the Steelers. I think it would be a little bit difficult for him to come in and, you know, get, get playing time either because they, they're they backing Mason Rudolph at this point. I think whoever they draft, they're not planning on playing immediately. And I think that for, I would like to see a, a more continuity around him, if that makes sense. So it seems like the commanders really intrigues me for him. Um, you know, the, the Seahawks kind of similar issues. The offensive line isn't, isn't the greatest and he would be running for his life. I would like to see Sam Howell on a more structured system where he doesn't have to constantly make things happy on, on with his legs because he has accuracy. I think he just didn't have enough time at North Carolina to, to really deliver passes uh, that they did some of his early years. So I, I think... The Steelers will be an okay fit for him, but I think in terms of longevity and just how quickly you get on the field, I think going elsewhere may be better suited for him. Like a Tampa, you know, I think Tampa is kind of wide open right now mm-hmm. with, you know, they have Blaine Gabbard and they have Kyle Trask, who they took last year, but I, I don't think they they believe in those two guys uh, wholeheartedly. So, uh, you know, I could see the books uh, trading back or, or maybe just staying where they are and then take a quarterback and surprise everyone. So... I think for the same game back to the original point, I think the Steelers would just be mm-hmm. not an ideal fit for him in terms of his career early on. Well, let's talk, you know, we talked about earlier the two running backs that came out in last year's draft. Well, let's talk about another one, a guy that came in, spent one year at Carolina. And, uh, you know, the guy I think at this point so far probably has helped his draft stock the most here uh, in the offseason so far. Ran pretty well at the Combine, and it feels like he's probably a mid-round guy. Where, Where do you stand on Ty Chandler, and what do you see his upside at the NFL level? 
Yeah, Todd Chandler was uh, a guy that I liked before he transferred uh, to North Carolina. Actually, he was someone that, and is, you know, someone to watch for, for the future. And he transferred to North Carolina. And then once again, North Carolina is another draftable back. Um, I think, uh, you know, in terms of, we think about Michael Carter and, and Javante Williams. I think he, he resembles a little bit more Javante Williams in terms of his power and ability uh, to run through tackles. But, but I like his vision and his ability to, um, you know, make make people miss in the hole and then follow his blockers. So he made a lot of explosive runs this season and, uh, you know, showed off that speed at the combine and became one of the, the top risers at the running back position uh, at, at the combine as well. And I think he's going to be that day three uh, guy that, you know, goes in round four or five and then immediately, I think, at the NFL level, I think he's going to be able to get carries uh, within his first season. I think he's that good and uh, just what he's able to, to do in a running game. I do think he's going to have to get a little bit better in pass protection. Uh, there were times he, he looked really good on film, and then times where he could definitely improve his uh, physicality, his, his hand usage. But, uh, you know, Ty Chandler was, was, was superb this year, and, and I was pleasantly surprised, you know, looking through his cave and, and seeing uh, just how well he was able to, to maneuver in the hole and, uh, you know, make, make the finish miss at the second level and, and, and pop off 20, 30 yard runs. So, I think Chandler uh, is was that it's a day three running back. The running back position is obviously getting more and more devalued, devalued each year. Mm-hmm. But but I like him, uh, you know, in a zone a zone scheme system that, that allows him to, uh, you know, make make one cut and, and get north and south, um, and, and and do his damage from there. We're talking to Devin Jackson, contributor for uh, Blue Chip Scouting, also Steeler Depot, and does work for NOLA.com as a sports digital content producer. He's with us. You know, the guy I think you were talking about earlier is Joshua Zudu on that offensive line, kind of that guy that can do it all, um, you know, play guard and tackle uh, throughout his time at Carolina. And, you know, for the most part, did a, a pretty good job. I mean, look, every guy that was on that offensive line really this past year was probably their worst year. Uh, but I think he maybe helped himself a little bit at the combine with how fluid he was able to move in some of the drills and everything like that. You know, what do you look at for him? I think he's probably a guy that people are looking at upside-wise, but where do you see him kind of fitting in, and do you think he's a a draftable prospect at this point? Yeah, he's he's absolutely a draftable prospect, and one of the big reasons why is is his versatility. I mean, you know, he he played majority uh, at the guard position, but also played uh, quite a bit, I think over 300 snaps at tackle this year as well. And, you know, we have that type of versatility that, that's going to intrigue NFL uh, front offices. Well, I do think he probably stays in the interior uh, once he translates to the NFL level because of his power, because of, uh, you know, how heavy his hands are. I do think there is a little bit of stiff, stiffness in his hips uh, in terms of uh, getting into, uh, you know, his, his past his, uh, past sets, um, especially at tackle. But, but he has heavy hands, and, and he... Uh, when passing off like stunts, he's able to uh, move and redirect players. I think Virginia Tech was one of his best games. He was just throwing dudes all over the film, um, and, and even against Pitt as well. He was he was doing a, a really good job, especially in the run game, uh, providing lanes for Ty Chandler to, to run through. And 
Um, I, I think probably of the, of the two offensive linemen uh, in this in this class, I think uh, Zudu uh, is the one that, that probably gets drafted. Probably on eight and three between uh, probably rounds five and six. I think because of his upside, he's, he's definitely going to intrigue an NFL front office. And I think he had a really uh, good good day at the combine as well. You know, one of those guys that didn't get talked about too much coming in, uh, just because, you know, people don't think of offensive line for North Carolina prospects, but uh, I, I thought he had a really good year uh, and really helped himself, especially at the combine uh, with how he tested. And, and I think uh, ultimately he's one of those guys that can, that can be, uh, you know, kind of a rotational career backup type of guy early in his career. But uh, he, if he develops, continues to develop the traits he has, uh, he could be a, a starter at the NFL level. Well, let's talk about his offensive line. Made a guy that played opposite of him for most of his career uh, over at right guard, and that was Marcus McKeithen. A little bit of a different type of prospect, more of a bigger guy. You know, what, what do you what do you think about him? I think he, there's probably more questions as to where exactly he fits in in the draft, um, or if he's a guy that'll probably have to end up being an undrafted free agent. But what do you, what do you see with him and his stock, especially uh, after he just participated out in Indy? Yeah, so I, I think with him, you know, compared to compared to Zudu, I think uh, with McKeith, he, he's a little bit more unpolished in terms of uh, what he brings to the game. I think, you know, he has that big size that, that you look for in offensive linemen, but uh, you know, there there were just times there just just lost stiffness in his lower half, and and I think for him, you know, it's it's probably going to be that UDFA route for him. Uh, unfortunately, I do think. Um, you know, just kind of the inconsistencies on tape, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, giving up pressures and, and just not being as cohesive with his hips and hands. I think it, it just comes down to, for him, uh, you know, obviously, there's between day three and UDFA guys, there's, there's not always a lot of separation there, you know, especially in round six, seven, uh, UDFA, there's not a lot of separation there. And I think he's in that range. I think, uh, you know, being able to be invited to combine, you know, teams are interested in what he has, his size uh, and his ability in the run game. But I think for him, it's going to be about one, defining the position he's going to play, which is uh, probably going to stay in the interior, uh, just based on the foot speed and, and the size and what he brings the table but also I just think for him he has to you know continue to, to hone, hone in his fundamentals uh, you know get with an offensive line coach that will uh, get him to be consistent on the snap that's not basis because I think that's that was one of his biggest things you know you see the flashes of being able to, to move people in the run game but uh, just in the past game you, you got to be able to uh, see the see the stunts coming and then pass them off a consistent way. I think he just didn't do that enough but I do think you know he has a chance to, to be on an NFL roster and compete for a spot. But for him, I think it's probably going to be a UBFA route. And uh, for him, it's going to be about how quickly he can get better and, and continue to improve. So the last guy we'll ask you about here is Jeremiah Gimmel. It, it, at this point, it's just kind of strange. He was supposed to go to the Senior Bowl, but apparently pulled out 
but it, it wasn't really announced, though. There hasn't been any news on that. He goes out to the combine. He gets measured in, um, but unfortunately isn't able to go through drills. You know, what do you what do you make of his stock right now? I, I'm hoping that this is just some sort of injury that's lingering and preventing him from being able to do these drills or whatever. But what do you make of, of his stock right now? Are there guys rising at that linebacker position that are maybe pushing him down from where he initially was? Yeah, I think that, you know, with, with situations like that, it's really tough because you just like one of those uh, guys that, that can go on day three just based on his film. He's a uh, run and chase will linebacker projection, uh, made some terrific plays defensively for North Carolina all season long. But when, when you miss the senior bowl, uh, I understand that, you know, sometimes injuries pop up and they happen, but invited to the combine you don't participate there that's that's a big blow to his stock you know mm-hmm. I, I just think with a guy of his caliber he's a bit undersized for the position um you know he wanted to see how he was going to test because i think his testing was going to be kind of the determinant of whether or not he gets drafted but just not being able to test it while being down there i think it's, it's a tough blow you know it's, it's not like he's uh he's not the highest regard prospect especially in linebacker position and, and guys that uh you know that did get invited that did participate you know, you know, teams are going to look at that and be able to see tangible numbers with them. So, uh, you know, for for him, I, I think it's going to be huge for him to to some somehow be able to test before or, or during pro day and, and be able to put up really good numbers. But I think right now, you know, he's probably a little bit off the NFL's radar in terms of being drafted, just because he, he's a big unknown right now. But not being able to to uh, you know, participate in, in the combine or the, the senior ball, I think it was a big blow to the stop. Yeah, I was hoping that was not going to be the case, but unfortunately, uh, don't really know what the situation is. Again, nothing's been confirmed on that front, but hopefully uh, we'll get something uh, moving forward with him. Uh, hey, Devin, you're, you're awesome as always, man. Uh, guys, make sure you check out uh, everything that he's got going on uh, on his Twitter page, at RealD underscore Jackson. Um, and then, of course, you can check out Blue Chip Scouting uh, there on Twitter, at Blue Chip Scout. Uh, and then, of course, if you're a Steelers fan, make sure you check out the stuff that he does over there at Steelers uh, Depot, uh, at Steelers Depot on Twitter. Hey, uh, Devin, thanks for stopping by with us, man. Great stuff as always. Uh, love just how much knowledge you've got of this draft, man. Um, it, it's always great having you stop by, and, and thanks for uh, helping educate us a little bit on uh, where some of these guys stand uh, post-combine. All right, man? Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me on. Like I said, uh, I love talking prospects and, and you know, uh, reviewing these North Carolina prospects again this year. So thanks for having me back on, and let's do this again sometime. Yeah, definitely, man. You take care. We'll talk to you down the line. All right, man? All right. See you, man. All right, we want to thank Devin Jackson for stopping by with us. Make sure you guys go and check out all his stuff, bluechipscouting.com. Uh, great stuff with him, and, and we hope you guys are you know keeping tabs with everything that we are covering on the draft side of things. I got an article up there, a stock report article, uh, that'll go a little more in-depth on where I'm at with the guys coming out of the combine. Uh, so I'll tell you who's trending up, who's trending down, and whose stock kind of stayed still uh, during the combine. I'll also do a similar thing after Pro Day. That is going to be March 28th for the Tar Heels, so write that one down on your calendars if you are somebody that wants to follow these guys into their future into the league. 
Um, and of course, we'll have you covered around draft time as well. We're going to have plenty more guests coming on. I'm hoping to get Russell Brown back on, who was with us last year. Um, also, AJ Schult. I've reached out to him. Hopefully, he'll be able to get back to me. Uh, and we can potentially have him on as well. But we're going to get you a bunch of different guys on here to talk about these draft prospects. As you know, this is one of the main things right now. It's kind of going hand in hand with what we got going on in spring camp. Mac Brown did speak on Monday. Not really a whole lot there. Didn't really feel like that was something that we needed to put an article together for. Really was more just focused on Jack McNell um, and and really just his accomplishments and and, and why he went with them. Um, you know, the kind of stuff we told you in the article about Jack Bicknell when he originally uh, was signing on to become Carolina's head coach. You guys can check out that article if you want to learn a little bit more about the Tar Heels' new offensive line coach who actually was out there for the first time on Saturday uh, during the practice that Carolina had inside of Keenan Stadium. That was the first time they put the pads on as well. So it's starting to get to uh, you know the more interesting practices here in the spring. Some separation people are hoping we're going to start seeing, especially at the quarterback position, running back position, all those kind of spots. But we'll see if Mac Brown speaks later on this week. If he does, we'll have an article that we'll throw up there for you guys as well with the Mac Brown press conference. Takeaways, we'll be doing those all throughout spring practice uh, as well as when the team gets into fall camp. Um, and we'll have some great articles coming up for you. When we get back into basically off-season mode in the summer, we'll have some great articles for you there. Recruiting uh, should be picking up here. Carolina just had a massive group of recruits on campus the other day. Mac Brown talked about it on Monday, said that there were 119 prospects that were on campus for Carolina during the past weekend. I wonder if that sort of extends back to Thursday because they did have a really huge uh, prospect in the 2023 class, uh, Jabron Harvey, that was uh, on campus. So, uh, I, I mean, this is this is an important time for the 2020 class. Carolina is off to a solid start. They do have Tad Hudson committed in the class, so they've got their quarterback. It's a big guy in state, but Carolina's got some offers out there. They're in good positions for guys, but. They haven't landed any big commitments outside of him in this class. It's not quite as fast of a start as they got off to in the 2022 class. So we'll see what Carolina is able to do. But amongst the names that were on campus this past weekend, I told you about Harvey. And I think the other big one that everybody was wondering about was Caleb Downs. Uh, he was there for a good portion of the weekend as well. So really big news uh, that he was there as Carolina continues to try to make a push with him. His recruitment has gone fully national, so uh, it's brought in teams like Georgia and Alabama, who he has really good connections with, but the Tar Heels are hoping that that family connection might be enough to get it done. We'll have you covered through uh, all of that uh, throughout the offseason and everything like that on the website, HeelToughBlog.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast and check out the Facebook page. That's the best place where you can check out Everything that we do, all those articles, the podcast editions on there. We have the waveform editions on there. When you do, make sure that you like the page at the top so that it goes right on to your timeline. Uh, and check out the, the other social media pages, mainly our main Twitter feed, at HeelToughBlog on Twitter. And you can check me out as well, at HTB Anthony. So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. I want to thank Devin Jackson for stopping by with us. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Torres.